We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes beyond the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes make you laugh. Get the, most times we go deep. I'm your host, David Cameo, and I'm joined by Cosmos here and I, Rachel Burt. Hello again. Sharon D, hey. aka Blazy Gardner, and Bridget, aka Punky Brewster. KO-Fi.com slash Punky Brewster. That's P-U-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R. And of course, Survivor Seer member, Takira. You can reach at ko-fi.com slash Connie Dixon for life. That's Connie Dixon, the number four L-Y-F-E. Today, we're here to talk about The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon's fourth episode, La Dame de Fer, which is the Iron Lady or Iron Maiden. Yeah. In the merch store, there is a Walking Dead Daryl Dixon logo t-shirt that's available for everybody to purchase. You can... Head to our website, squawkingdead.com. Hit the main menu in the top left and tap merch. You can get it also in tie-dye or raspberry sherbet. If you're into what? that sort of thing. I'm very into both of those things. Mm-hmm. Well, check them out. You may end up liking them. And it's probably on the screen right now if you're watching this on YouTube. Rachel said it best, though, when we were just getting on and that it was a nice continuation from the last episode, which was... Paris sera toujours Paris. And like Bridget said in the last episode, we were ramping up in the third episode. And I think uh, a lot happened in this episode. And as usual, as it pertains to episodes where a lot happens, my notes aren't as big as they were in the last episode because of the slow points and all the different references. However, just like the last episode, there were some interesting little nuggets that seem so insignificant until you really look into it. It was one of my favorites and one that made me the most sad all at the same time. Why is everybody separate? I hate, I hate it when that happens. I hate it when it happens on every show. And I'm sad that we might, may not see Sylvie again, because y'all know that's my girl. But the story is moving forward. We have some action. We had that weird little moment with a hug between Daryl and Izzy. I think it might be the best spinoff, actually. You'd posted that critics are kind of liking this a lot more than even the latter seasons of The Walking Dead. Yeah. I don't know if you guys think the same, but I think a lot of that has to do with a concerted effort from fans to kind of raise the Rotten Tomatoes score and raise the IMDb score too, if I'm not mistaken, just to kind of like flood it with positive feedback. Because most people like flood things with negative feedback. Negative, yeah. Most of the time. So places like Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, anything where you can rate anything, they kind of balance the negative feedback with the positive feedback. So the positive has more weight to it. So much negative feedback basically tank a business. Mm -hmm. But if you wait the positive feedback, well then, okay, business is saved. Found in the, especially in the hospitality industry, people are way more likely to complain about something than they are to praise praise for something. People will raise hell online about a small mistake, but they're not going to go online and say, this was the best place I've ever been. And these people did this. There's an old statistic about that in the restaurant industry. Managers would always say, if something goes wrong, a person is most likely to share that negative feedback with 10 people. This is before the days of the internet, so more than 10, but they're going to tell 10 people. If they're happy, you're lucky if they're going to tell one person. Right. Also, they don't want them to to eat at the same restaurant as them. Ugh, my friend, this is my place. You ever ever hear people that do that? Mm, I don't want people to find out about it. Oh, it's my place. My ex-girlfriend? No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It's why you don't take like your first few dates to like the restaurant you really like. Because then you're like, what if you don't like them? It's like, I know. I don't want to see her there again. I'm mostly feeling confused. 
hopefully we can hash a lot of that out while we talk today. Do you think some of that has to do with what I'd said in the last episode, which was that last episode did feel like it at some points kind of was all over the place. It was slow at some points. And then all of a sudden, wait, oh, wait, now could drones people are, well, it's, and then yeah. what happened? Do you feel like this episode was the same though? I'm going to have to say yes. Cause I can't remember what happened in <laughs> the separate episodes. It's just all one big blob in my okay. brain. So there. <laughs> sometimes when things are too slow, you're like, come on, let's move it already. Honestly, I am getting to that point where I'm like, all right, what's going to happen here? I wanted a, a few more answers this episode and maybe we got some, but they weren't the answers I wanted. And I need something to happen now. <sighs> Is it that you feel like Maybe we're ramping up to something that we're not going to like. Yeah. Or, or conclusion that we're not going to get. I'm I getting that, that like Padre too. feeling. We got this huge really? buildup for Padre. And then we were like. So more Padre, less <laughs> dead city in a sense. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Okay. That's a temperature reading. There's a lot of pressure for Laurent to be something super special. And I just don't want, I'm where Bridget is, right? Like this kid can't be the cure. Like, I don't want him to be the cure. Like he can't, we can't fix shit. Like we're beyond fixing shit. <laughs> that so, opening like, scene, by the way, <laughs> like yeah. I thought of Bridget immediately like, Oh yeah, uh, I don't know if she's going to, Oh, okay. It's a dream. Thank I'll God. I'll go over my reaction to that later. <laughs> you know, who's going to get the complaints. It's yeah. me. It's like, and all of you. <laughs> I'm not going to say it was one of my favorites. And I, I don't know if that's just because I'm in the headspace I'm in right now. I'm not sure. But there was just something about this episode that didn't really grab me. It was enjoyable to watch. And I liked the action scenes and the fact that I stayed up till three o'clock to watch it. And it wasn't there on AMC again at three o'clock in the morning. Thank you very much, AMC. It wasn't on AMC proper, too, which is. Yeah, right. So it happens, but not as much as like Amazon Prime or anywhere else. YouTube TV. Maybe it's because this episode felt more like a Walking Dead proper episode than a Daryl Dixon episode to me. And most people would regard that as a good thing, I think. But mm -hmm, right. I'm not saying I didn't like it. I'm just saying it, it didn't grab me as much as the other episodes have. I, I guess I meant more positive thing. But I think I know what you mean, because so like there's something the scene, about it. Right. So like the, the scene where he's at the Eiffel Tower and there's this huge mob of walkers behind a wall and they all manage just at this very time to push out from behind this wall and, and attack this kid. And it's the same thing we've seen over and over. I feel like the Daryl Dixon show has been very good at presenting us new situations, whereas this was very much just feeling like the same old, same old to me. Again, I am in a very weird headspace this week. Was I the only one that felt like they moved because there were variants in there? I didn't even see any variants. And all these years that they've had these walkers pinned behind this barricade, nobody has ever walked up here because Laurent wasn't even making that much noise. It's not like he was screaming or banging things or right. anything like that. He was just walking there. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like all these walkers come out, like just at this very propitious time. I did kind of write so that down too. Contrived. And th there were a couple yeah. other times, like Daryl, not things that he wouldn't have done. I can't remember what it was. It was something towards the beginning and he didn't kill somebody or left a weapon laying there or something. I'm like, Daryl would not do that. He's smarter than that. Would hmm. a regular walker bend down and look through a hole? If they thought a thing was in there, like a rat or a human, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Predominantly, we've, we've just seen them we've get seen down on their knees. But yeah, I didn't think of it as like a variant thing. Because of the way that walker made me feel like it was a variant, I was like watching closely and I just did feel like there were variants mixed in. I felt like the sense of something being out there 
to the variants is kind of what set off the like domino effect of all the walkers coming out. Well, especially after the last episode, too. We got the burners, we had the experiment walker, and then I could see why you'd think that, too. And especially if this episode feels like a continuation of the last, maybe that theme will continue. And maybe that is another reason, because we didn't really objectively see one. Maybe that's another reason why people are mm-hmm. like, oh, I like more variants. I didn't get it. <laughs> I think the closest to variants we saw was the orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very, you know what? I wouldn't say technically, but I would say very unique. Just going back to what you said about the one that was the walker that was bending down to get law. Maybe this is something because oftentimes when we see hordes of walkers or even a few walkers, it's not often that we get a dead on walker looking into the camera. And I think a lot of it has We've to do seen with it happen, though. It's like a once in a while sort of thing. Like, OK, maybe several episodes or I don't know, maybe a whole season will go by before you get like a dead on looking at the camera walker. And usually that's very, very intentional. But most of the time you don't, because I think I think a lot of it has to do with the makeup department and you don't want to spend too much time looking at these walkers because then the people watching the show might think, oh, they might not get the feeling that they're real. But then you spend a little extra time on that one walker with the right contact lenses. And effectively, the walker is looking straight into Laurent's face, which is you, the audience. So maybe that gives you that feeling of dread. And is this a variant? And oh, I don't know. I just felt there was like a little more intent behind it bending and looking through that little hole than a regular walker would have. Yeah, its intent was to jump scare you. It worked. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's a moasa. It's moasa. It's make walkers scary again. Oh, gosh. Right? I mean, the walkers in France seem to me to be a little bit more aggressive than regular walkers in America anyway. Is it because you don't speak the language? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to speak French Walker. Oh, growl, growl. Is that like Basque? <laughs> Some people say it is. Anyway, whatever. Okay. It's a very intellectual joke. Okay, so let's move on so to Bridget. Bridget. Let's move it really. Let's move very fast on to Bridget. Hi. Uh, it was pretty good. <laughs> you said the last one was your favorite, right? I think the last one was my favorite. It was good. Mm, something felt a little flat about it, but I think it has to do with I really don't like Quinn. I love to not like him. I'm I know that that that's the intention. It's working because I just really strongly dislike him. I don't handle the dad thing well. Having had my own dad issues, it just makes me uncomfortable. Okay, it's mixing. Two themes that (laughs) together are terrible, which is like the abusive ex-boyfriend and the negligent father, (sighs) less negligent, but more like using your kid as a prop. Essentially, it's unclear whether he really cares about Noel, really, but still he's using him as a prop. It's hard. I've been through both. This guy is just a representation of a lot of things I don't love. (laughs) He's cream of the crap. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot here that I just don't care for. So I think that has something to do with it. I don't know what the intention is with Isabel and Daryl, but if they're trying what, to what do you mean by that? Force if they're trying to force a relationship in this, it just kind of skews me out a little. I don't know something about it just really bothers me. You know I'm a big advocate for like just because people are of opposing genders and on a show together like does not mean that they need to be a couple. I continually say it's okay for people to just be friends because 
there's not enough of that like in our world sometimes I think it's okay for people to be friends and care about each other I'm not saying like everybody should walk down the street holding hands because that could get maybe a little bit confusing for people it's okay for me to like be around women that I love that I'm not sexually attracted to because I'm sexually attracted to men, but it's okay for me to be around them and hug them or kiss them on the cheek. And like, that doesn't have to be like, oh, she's interested. (laughs) You see that? You think she wants me? It's the same thing with guys. Like when I hang out with guys, we can joke around and I can like nudge you with an elbow. And like, that doesn't mean that I'm like trying to get in your pants. And that just really bothers me that we just make those assumptions all the time. The second episode when they met the kids and we were talking about how these kids have probably never had a a super positive male role model in their world lately. And B, they've been told that men are dangerous because in this world they are super dangerous. So maybe what people are misconstruing as romantic intentions is actually just the fact that obviously Isabel has not known very many nice men either. Her previous life was not Mm. conducive to her having a lot of nice male friends. And She also has been living in this world where men are extremely dangerous. So maybe it's the idea that she's actually met a guy who's actually good and actually nice. So it's more like a friendship infatuation than a romantic infatuation. Because I I don't see romance. I don't see romance in Daryl's end at all. And what people are saying is Izzy's romantic intentions toward him, I think might just be, again, friendship infatuation that she's found a guy who is actually a nice guy and she doesn't have to be afraid of him and he's not gonna try to literally and figuratively her excuse me foul language (laughs) i think that's a really nice thought to have about that because if you ever met someone that you like want to be friends with like you don't really know them but something about them is special in some way that you're like i want to be friends with that person why am i getting emotional (laughs) (laughs) And I could see this being that she wants to be close to him because he's such a good person and she doesn't know very many good people who are just good just for the sake of being good. Because even though she lived in a world where like people believed in in being good in terms of like religion and God, that can have ulterior motives. It's not always the intention, but it's referred to in faith as good works. Good works are intended to be things that you do that are fruits of the faith or fruits of the spirit, which means that the Holy Spirit is living in you and that you, as a result, want to do good things because God has done so much good in your life by sending a savior, etc. Like that's where this comes from. So when we talk about good works, that's what that's meant to be. But a lot of the time, good works get twisted into like, if I do enough good on earth, then I should be granted salvation. And that's not Christianity's viewpoint. Christianity's viewpoint is you don't have to do anything to earn this salvation. The salvation has been given to you freely. So I think even in a religious capacity, those good things can be viewed as like, maybe they're doing it from the bottom of their heart because they feel compelled to do good. Or maybe it's because they feel like this will get them into heaven. I do kind of like this idea of like him being like... Well, bringing it back to Isabel, you feel like maybe that's her basis for... The care and attention that she's giving well, to Daryl. I feel to, like Daryl. No, Daryl no, no, has no. made it pretty clear that he's okay. not a religious person. He's not doing it because he thinks he's exactly. going to go to heaven for it. That's what I was trying to say, Sharon. There's no question about his motives. His motives are altruistic in nature. He is using them to get to the port, supposedly. 
but there's well, that several was his initial when, intention. Right, right? there's yeah. several times that he could have he could have been like, "No, nah, fuck this," and ditched them when they were caught up with the kid. Anything, he, any time he could have left and just been like, "Forget it." I know I can follow my own way. Well, even but the thing hasn't. with Quinn, where he's like, "No, no, I don't need a boat this bad. No boat is worth this." He's giving up his chance at going back to his family and being with the people that he cares about for people he doesn't really know. But knows enough to not allow good people enough to Mm -hmm. know that they're good people to fall to the clutches of the devil. But I like, I I know, I just like that idea. I think that was, I think, Charity, that's a really good perspective to have. It makes me feel a little bit better about the whole situation. I'm not against them having a, a relationship, but I don't see it happening. I just do not see any indication from Daryl whatsoever that he has romantic intentions in any way, shape, or form. I'm surprised that a lot of the perspective we've been taking, I'm not actually surprised that we've been looking at it from Isabel's point of view, but we we didn't really look at it a lot from Daryl's point of view. And yeah. as Sharon D was talking earlier, I had been thinking about Daryl's point of view and Daryl's perspective and who the people Daryl grew up with. And it was mostly male figures. His father, smoking, drinking, abusive. His brother, eh, you know, kind of yeah, Merle, Merle, Merle. We don't really get to hear a lot about his mom. I know a single or maybe two references ever on the show, yeah, on any the of the story shows. About when she died yeah. because right. she fell asleep on the couch with a cigarette. But you don't really hear about what she was like necessarily. Well, I always assumed because of the stories he tells about his dad, Carol is representative of a lot of that for him. As an avatar that's of an, why, or of an actual. That's why they have such a connection because his mother was abused by his father we could gather that from the stories that daryl has told about his dad his dad's not a good guy daryl doesn't white knight anybody he doesn't come in and say like i'll take care of this for you shane does that with carol <laughs> shane did that right but daryl does Ed. not yeah because mm-hmm. daryl knows that you are capable of strength but you have to make the choice to use it i'm sure he loved his mother because we all love the people that we grow up with whether or not they're great people Right. right. You still have some feeling of love towards them. He probably loved his dad, too, in, in a weird way. Right. In a way. I mean, he kind of yeah. always will. But yeah, but it's the same thing with Isabel. Like he's he's not trying to white knight the situation, but he is trying to say, like, you don't have to go back to him like you were able to get away from him. Why would you strip all of that strength away going back? But she views it as that she has to because she's trying to protect Laurent. Carol is very similar to his mother and so is Isabel now in the same regard. I had a therapist once that said cyclical melodrama. I I fired this therapist just so you guys know because I this was not great. (laughs) What I heard was not great. So she essentially told me. The one thing she heard was was a dead on. (laughs) No, I went (laughs) and when I was telling her about how like I'd been in an abusive relationship and I'd finally gotten out of it and this was really raw. I had just left it. I was only a couple months free of this guy. It was before I met Travis even. She said that I was destined to play out this melodrama for the rest of my life because of the relationship that my father and mother had had. And so I quit her that day (laughs) because I was like, Mm -hmm. that's horrible advice. There was no talk about like breaking that cycle or anything. Just that I was destined to fulfill this over and over again. My job is to give you an oar so that you can navigate this destiny. (laughs) Big F you, because guess what? I'm not living out that melodrama now. Good for you, number one. (laughs) But that kind of goes back to the circular theme from last episode, the last week. With the records and the going around with the apocalypse over and over again. Even though this was referencing you, we're still talking about Daryl and his cycle. And I think he's been able to break the cycle. 
yeah. it took an apocalypse to do it. Mm-hmm. Because had the apocalypse not happened, Daryl would have gone down that same exact road as Merle and his father. Sometimes you need a a catalyst. Right. We were also talking last week about how Isabel got more from the apocalypse. It benefited her in the same way because she would have kept doing the same cycle over and over again. Yes. And the apocalypse yes. broke it for her, too. So and she says as much. See, that's that's where I don't so. really agree. That's though. well, that's I, what I was trying to get at. Dave was like, that's what the cyclical melodrama is, is like Daryl does tend to in, engage with people who are living out the same traumas that he's gone through. It's the same thing. Anybody who goes through trauma does is unintentional. How do we find each other? I have no idea. I believe in divine intervention. So to me, that's what it is being put on a path to like engage with these people who have also been through very similar life events. Like he went to all the way to France and he still ends up with someone who is struggling with the same kind of dynamic that Carol struggled with. So early on, Ed died. She didn't have to deal with the repercussions of leaving him. Maybe that was what drew him to Leah because Leah's trauma that we knew, any trauma that she had, we knew about happened after the apocalypse, right? Mm. So maybe she was one of those people that wasn't in that kind of cycle. And that was what drew him to her. On a romantic level. Yeah. They had that. And they also had this interesting connection to grief and loss. Mm-hmm. Well, Daryl wasn't fish. ready to give up the search for Rick, but eventually Leah kind of got him to, hey, you've been mourning and searching. Like you've been this simultaneous thing. And she's just been mourning until he came around and shook things up for her. She shook things up for him. And people keep shaking things all over. Anyway, just kidding. Anyway, but <laughs> a lot of shaking going on. And, and, but, and they had a dog to bond over. That's oh, the best Sharon, bonding. That is that's such the a best good bonding. That's a great yeah. pivot right there. Because bringing it back to, to Isabel and her cycle, I, I, I contend that I don't think she's ever broken the cycle. There were opportunities to, but she continues to place a burden on herself. It is a negative for her, but it, one of those burdens is God. She became codependent with another being. What if the cycle breaker is a child? Because what broke the cycle for Daryl, maybe, was <laughs> Judith. Get to. It's fine. <laughs> right? And what's breaking this, what yeah. could have broken the cycle for Isabel is Laurent, but she's passing right. up that opportunity to go back to what she was doing. She says she's doing it for Laurent, but is she? Or does she just not want the responsibility anymore? That's ultimately what I was going to lead to is that, and I think the audience wants this as well for everything she's been through, taking care of Lily after her parents, after their parents died taking care of her child after she dies. I'm going to say this and it's not going to come out probably 100% right and because you're not going to want to agree with me, but being sub- subservient or codependent on a higher power, let's say, or choosing another master, let's say. And yeah, I'm sure there's tons and tons of rewards to having that master, but there's a subservience element to it too. Serving God, placing burdens upon yourself. And then going back to Quinn, she's ready. This is I feel like this sacrifice and martyrdom, that's her superpower. She excels in it. She knows how to play that game. But going to your point, Charity, I think all of this has to bear fruit. And it might not. And maybe it's a tragic story all along. I don't know. But everybody wants to know that the burdens they bear and the sacrifices they make, they have to mean something. And maybe Laurent is that something. Ultimately, right now, because she's away from him and she has to let him go, or she feels like she has to let him go. We could talk about that a little bit more later. But I feel like right now, I don't see it yet, but I hope I see it personally. I hope that all that sacrifice was for him and that he in turn will save not the human race. He saves her. He lifts her burdens ultimately. And I think that's a great story. I like that story. All along, you see that she has been the one to bear the burdens. And now he's like saying to her, 
well, put it down. Let's be happy. Can we just live a life together just as people who love each other? And maybe that can be possible after, after all this is done. Or at least this first season. I don't know what happens in the second season, which was filmed back to back. I'm feeling very like... Confused. Wah, wah. <laughs> who cares? Is Where that it? Does it involve Daryl? Otherwise, I don't care. <laughs> I feel like an asshole feeling like that. But like... It's a perspective. Know. It's beautiful. But if that's really how it ends, I'd be like... Ugh, really? Every, every ending has multiple facets, right? Ugh. Well, and I also kind of wanted to take it back to what I was trying to say about Daryl is that just like some people like me, I was surrounded by women all my life. I, I don't often talk about my dad not being around. I'm not saying like he was an absentee father, but he, in a way he was, he was out before I left for school and he didn't come back until I was asleep constantly growing up. And so I was surrounded by my sister Gila, my sister Adina for the longest time until my brother Ike was born when I was 11. And then my mom, constantly, teachers, women, predominantly. I don't think there's an exception. So when, a, like you were saying, Bridget, in the second episode, when a male figure comes around that you can bond with, like I, I have like two, two cousins in my life and they're older, obviously, so that makes it even better, who I really like have found kinship with. You just glom on. But going back to Daryl, these female figures are that for him. I see a lot of that relationship with Carol in Isabel, which is kind of why I said, oh, they're bitching at each other like brother and sister. So I'm a bit of ambivalent, again, on the love thing, but I'm starting to move in the direction of yeah, more of the Carol situation, less of that, I know I have the goods on you and I've seen your feet, so I don't want you. Less of that than it is more the, like you said, Bridget, guy and a girl can be, who are attracted to the opposite sex, don't have to be hooked together Mm -mm. in a relationship. You know what? I can see that in this relationship. If it goes the other way, you know what? I saw things that could be interpreted in that way, but what has been said on the surface and what really kind of feels where things are going, I think they're doing this on purpose. (laughs) Of course. I don't know. They're following that same formula. I don't know, but I'm sorry that I brought this up because this was a really long tangent to say that I don't want this to happen. (laughs) And it's, it's, it's not like I'm like actively like, I hate this. I'm just like, can we just not? Can we just leave it as a nice friendship? Can we just mm-hmm. please do that? Because I just think that's a really important concept, especially this is like such a soapboxy thing to say. But as a young girl, seeing a lot of that kind of garbage on television about how you like, if you had a male friend, then it, like I was already boy crazy because I was already insecure in relationships with men. And then I'm being told by like any form of media that, well, you should find a man and and be with man and and you should like boys and I, it just became like this whole thing like so can we just like not that's all whether they're gonna be in a romantic thing or not they are purposely pointing our brains in the direction of something brewing between them the more i see them together the less they like each other mm-hmm. and in right. this episode, episode whatever the wall it was that they were trying to build between each other kind of got broken down not in a way of like, oh my God, I'm so in love with you. Isabel was standing there lost and confused and you could see the hopelessness coming and the panic. And she turned around and saw Daryl and I could see like the relief kind of flood out of her, which I didn't think Daryl was a person that would cause that kind of reaction from her because they don't know each other. And then how Daryl still kind of had the wall up and then relaxed a little bit. Okay, so they're realizing that they do care about one another. But in the way Bridget describes, it's the more but then they're, when you they're go, dependent on each other. Right. They're relying on each other. But then when you go other, later to the conversation with Sylvie, they do want us to think, whether it's one or the other or both, they do want us to think, 
oh, maybe there's something brewing. It just seems yeah, really pointed in this episode. Sylvie asks her, have you had any interest in anyone since taking your vow? Have you even like sexually attracted anyone? And she says no. And she goes, even Daryl? I saw the way you were looking at him. Even even Sylvie sees it. And she's like, no, that was a look of concern for Laurent. And for him, it's not that. Mm -hmm. So she tries to say it, but you're almost like, are you trying to convince yourself or mm -hmm. Okay, or I see what, what you're saying. That's what you mean. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. why I was so... <sighs> yeah, like, don't do it. It's interesting because I think that could also mean, in a way, I'm, re I'm relieved for myself. Everybody does it, but they don't know it. Sometimes when the people you love are okay, a little bit of that is, well, I'm glad I don't have to let them go and I don't have to see them suffering. Or like, like you were saying to Kira, when she sees Daryl, she breathes a sigh of relief, she's lost. She's, think of the interrogation that, that occurred of Armand earlier. She didn't know what to do. She was acting like she knew what she could do and reasoning with him and all that stuff. But Daryl really took control of that situation mm -hmm. and things happened and she would not have been able to do that. And this is just the, the obvious example. But when she sees Daryl again, safe and okay, part of that also is, of course, long. But like Daryl in particular and hugging him, I don't know what I'd do without you or I don't know what I, I could have done without you up until this point. I was going to say, even if like a protector is safe, yeah, let's say the time, even if it's the time being, I don't know what I'm going to do without you. Right. Exactly. And of course, that pointed question really was for the audience. Yeah. Wasn't it to kind of tell the audience? No, I'm not interested in Daryl. OK, calm down, audience. This ain't happening. I told you like they're Mag thirsty. Like Maggie and Egan. They're so <laughs> thirsty. <laughs> and of course, nobody believes it. <laughs> Whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't think I said it out loud, but That's in previous show. episodes, I was thinking, well, one thing that Isabel doesn't know about Daryl is that he tortures people because we were talking about how like he was looking at her with the drugs and her thing. When she couldn't get information out of this guy, I was like, oh, she's about to find out. My <laughs> mom done fucked around. <laughs> and then he found out. Yep. I do have a question about this scene. Mm. With Armand and the torture. Yeah, when Daryl's doing that pacing thing, grabbing weapons and then like putting back and switching them out, and like that's a mm -hmm. torture tactic because you're building. It's not anticipation, but you're building suspense to what's going like to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. So I, so I get where that comes from. I thought about it and I was like, we forgot in the show that like Daryl isn't this soft all the time. Great He's point. softened over time. Or we've seen his soft side mostly. Right. Yeah, yeah, we that's, haven't that's seen a torture is. scene in a while, but he was always the torturer, like almost mm -hmm. always. It always. was like his thing. When he was going to do that, I was like, oh. at first I was like, this is out of character for daryl and then i was like wait no it's not this no, is like not. this you is like prime daryl right here this no, is like exactly who he is it like brings us full circle to like oh yeah this is no this is still daryl because yeah. i've seen a lot of feedback online about how this isn't daryl like this so isn't daryl the daryl that we're seeing it has been it's just that it's very much that soft side of him but we've seen that before it's not unusual he has a soft side we just haven't seen a ton of this other side lately so it was easy lately. to forget so i'm glad that we saw that but i my question is about the story <laughs> okay oh okay. yeah okay <laughs> is that really about him because that's what i was thinking when he's telling it daryl is jimmy but then daryl does do that thing where he's like no i made all that shit up 
And I didn't, I was like, is this a moment of like levity and humor? No, that's not me. Or was it really him? Because he's gone through some pretty horrible stuff. This doesn't sound out of the realm of possibility for something his dad would have done to him. I totally think it's his, it's his story. I think it's his story too, because of the small detail where he mentioned his brother. Said you kill the pig or I kill your brother. Or... It could have been about or Merle. hurt or hurt your brother. It could have been Merle's story. Merle. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe Jim. Maybe Merle was. It doesn't Jimmy. make it any less. That's like Merle tried to murder the, no, the pig, not at all. but it, he didn't not succeed because Daryl couldn't bring himself to it. You know me; I try to overthink everything because that's the show, also. And <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so, at the end of the day, you know what? No one ever f- with Jimmy anymore. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the pacing thing. I thought also was a tactic to get Armand to look at him rather than the way he was looking at Isabel, mm-hmm. especially after he's saying she's a dirty girl. And I'm like, <laughs> like, just like Quinn, I'm like, but like on the more overt level, Oh, this guy's going to get in. I hope he does in a way. I'm not that kind of person, but you know, whatever it's a fictional television show. So why not? But that was a way for him to kind of stop looking at you. Look at me because I might do something crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Remember the crazy bitch face? <laughs> I actually think that what Armand was saying to Isabel, it tore her down enough to make this decision to go back to Gwen. That's genuinely what I think. And you know what? Afterwards, she does say to him, I have something to tell you. And he says, tell me after the river. That was mm-hmm. the thing. It would have been a little easier had she just everything like Falu didn't have to make a distraction and Daryl mm-hmm. didn't have to slip through the back door and if she just went back, but I, he, or I don't and know. I think Daryl probably knew that Daryl is very perceptive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. He knew what was going on there. He didn't know exactly the details, but he knew that what he was saying wasn't good. I felt like even though he does not speak French, that he like knew what this guy was saying to her. Well, well and, and he did say some English enough he did. to say, and then he does that thing where he goes to spit on her, but he stops and pauses and spits on the ground. Part of that's almost like you're not even worth this to me. Spit. But right. some of it is, I think there was some fear of Quinn or some respect. I use that term very loosely mm-hmm. for okay. Quinn. And then out of that, he does not actively spit on her. I'm glad he didn't because then Daryl would have had no help getting to the place because you know he would have killed him right then and there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not this scene specifically, but since we've kind of been dancing around it, this was one of the moments where I was like confused. I don't, and maybe I missed something. I don't understand why Isabel felt like she needed to go back to Quinn. Like they already had Laurent. They were going to get on the boat. They were going to go continue their mission. And Mm -hmm. she's like, nah, I'm going to go back. Why? So the fact that this guy says all this stuff about her, everybody wants to party with old Izzy. Everybody of his crews know. Mm-hmm. about her this is how you are you're good for nothing i think some of that has to do with it it broke her down to like where she was when she agreed to do this kind of stupid stuff in the first place i have a lot of fears going back to milwaukee because that's where i was in a really bad relationship for a long time when i go back i have these fears of running into people that i used to know because i fear that they'll have that same viewpoint of me for some reason them having that same viewpoint of me even though it doesn't matter and i don't care about those people and why would i even care about what they think that somehow in your mind does away with all of the progress that you've made it's that idea that this is the way they they have seen me and this is the way they will always see me and no matter what i say or do so she's trying to lean into that to me that seems like more of a reason to leave so i thought that she went back to Quinn to get him to remove the 
guards from the river or whatever so they could get out of the river because she's like i'm the okay. only one that can make him do it that was that was my take on okay. it sorry this is my roundabout way of getting there so i wanted to say okay. that that's that's the scene in which she made up her mind about it you kind of want to confront your abuser but you also don't want to confront them because it tears you back down to the person that you were before but like you can only truly find strength by confronting them and saying like you don't have power over me anymore so i think there's some self-motivation there obviously her main motivation is laurent and she knows that if she can get in with quinn again he's chasing her ultimately he doesn't care about laurent he had laurent he let him go he, he, i mean he didn't let him go but he would have given him no, away really. he doesn't care about laurent right. he was just a pawn so uh, maybe he ultimately wanted isabel to come back to him if she does she knows like well then hopefully i'll have power in this dynamic shift of me coming back that I can get him to help Laurent leave. I don't know that that's going to work. I think it's going to backfire. It does go to what Janae says about Quinn and that he's a transactional man. And it's quite possible that Isabel knows that's true too. And this got me to thinking a little bit more about Quinn as a person and how there are people in this world that don't know how to love freely. We've seen them before. Some of the, these people we've had in our lives. I'll speak for myself. The abusive ex-girlfriend that doesn't know how to encourage you to stay when you need to leave or when you have to leave or when it's just time to go home. And instead does that passive aggressive. Again, I'm just talking about myself and maybe this is some, some of your experience. Does that passive aggressive thing of saying something to the effect of, well, I guess you didn't really love me to begin with. But they have to do that because because... It's the only way they feel like they can get the love is to manipulate you into giving it that sort of thing. But on Quinn's level, it's a bigger game. I love you, but in order for me to love you, this is the game we have to play. These are the terms, which is what he said in the last episode. I mean, he's ready to throw away Anna, by the way. just want to make that clear. I don't think he loves Izzy at all. I don't think there's love involved there. I that's think that's control. Too control yeah. and revenge because she dumped him and left him to die in the apocalypse and now he has he has the chance to reclaim and own her again i don't think there's love unless he has some twisted messed up version of love in his head maybe he thinks he is i was gonna say i don't, I don't think, think people like that know how to love so this is love to them it's not that easy to for us to understand that whatever that is that's causing that but yeah. i've i've known people that that's that's how they feel like they need to be I agree, in Sharon. order to have somebody to love. Yeah, I think a big issue I have with this whole thing is we know it's going to go badly and Daryl's just going to have to come back and like do something about it. And I guess I'm just like, I don't know. I hope not. It feels too predictable. Well, how would he know? Because he met Quinn. He knows he's an ass bag. So and he definitely was relishing and wanting to finally get give yeah. the beat down to him during well, I mean, that, that confrontation. Is true to Daryl's yeah. nature to go back. It's not white knighting, but he right. doesn't mm -hmm. feel like she deserves to be in that position. Right. Yeah, and it's right. not going back to save her. It's going back to stop Quinn more yeah. than save her. Maybe I guess you'd call her the catalyst to it, the mm -hmm. catalyst to the situation. You think he would risk Laurent for her? I think no. he'll no. see Laurent to where he needs to go and oh, then go okay. back. Okay. Yeah. I hope not. I hope she's able to save herself. I think I that think, would be and that's really what I think powerful. Is happen too. Me too. But I, I think, just I think that's what's well, going I mean, to he could come back and she could have saved herself by the time he gets there. It's not he'll he'll still end up going back, but it may end up that she's already saved herself before it goes down. I just wanted to point out that the boatman, his name is Az Aslan. Aslan. I love Aslan. that. I loved it which, so much. Yes. A means lion. 
in Arabic. And yep. B, if you have watched or read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the, wardrobe. the lion's <laughs> name is Aslan. And Aslan was the Jesus. allegory for Jesus, yes. Yeah, so sorry. it ties all into the, anyway, to the, end on the that when, when they said Aslan, I was like, wait a minute, that's really blatant. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but I really loved the Chronicles of Narnia. The Chronic What Goals of Narnia? Narnia. No, sorry. <laughs> anyway, yeah. No, I've known, I know a couple of Aslans in my life too. So, and it's a very, very regal name. <laughs> it is a regal Aslan. name. I like it. So, and my feeling is that Aslan is going to be uh, Laurent's protector here for a while. Why else would they make his name so prominent? I'm just saying. Like, that's that's foreshadowing of a... I'm going to say this out loud. I'm not gay, but if Aslan was my protector, I'm not mad at it. He has a hunk of meat that I could dig into. He was an attractive man. He was a very attractive man. Very yeah. attractive man. Oh, no shade. It's seriously. Our poor pigeon man. I'm so sorry. I, I, Antoine, our poor pigeon yeah. guy. If it's going to happen... Setting his pigeons free and watching them fly away before he dies is the best oh, way to no. go. I love what, I love the way he says goodbye to them. He says adieu, camarade, adieu, uh, adieu, comrades. Like goodbye, yeah, my friends, bye, friends. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Two, two I'm times. I'm not gonna lie, that made me cry. Yeah, that, that was, was really very sad. sad. Guys, Daryl learned French. Bon appétit. Bon appétit. Bon appétit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's so funny? I knew in that moment, knowing that you'd be coming on. That in that moment, I'm like laughing because I love oh, Takira's going to bring this up later. And also, by the way, and also the sheer amount of f bombs from everybody yes! in this episode. Yes! Tons this, of again, bombs. But who did I think of first? Takira. She loves the f bomb. I just love it. You know, I loved watching Quinn get the shit beat out of him. It was just amazing. Excuse me, foul language. Disgusting. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> so the title of this was the Iron Lady and. When yeah. you when you said that at the beginning of the show, the Iron Maiden. <laughs> no, I no really, actually, I what it made me think of was the Statue of Liberty that was on oh. the bridge. But that was copper. Ugh, ew. Anyway, sorry. But but <laughs> is it in France? Is it in France? Copper? It's, I don't it's know. It's also copper. Yeah. That one. yeah. But that oh, was no, what, yeah, yeah. For that sure. That was what it made me think of. Was there's another one in Japan too? I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. The other thing it made me think of was Genet. So I love you so much because. There's a distinct feeling that basically almost everybody in this episode is a uh, dame de fer. Anna Valeri, I saw some of that in her. Genet, a little bit, but Isabel, for sure. Anna Valeri, for sure. The presence of strong women. I'm not sure how it would tie in, but Margaret Thatcher was also known as the Iron Lady. She was. That That was her nickname. I yeah. didn't know that. Even yeah. though I know a little bit about Margaret Thatcher. There's like a movie Some, I thought of the same a movie name called The Iron Lady yeah. about her with Meryl Streep. Good movie, by the way. La Dame de Fer is what is often referenced as the Eiffel Tower. Just so everybody knows. Do you know why they call it the Iron Lady? Well, I'm about to tell you then. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the bottom of the Eiffel Tower does look like a woman's skirt, so it's hiding the legs of the tower. That's what. It, so it has sure. this sure okay curve down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a feminine shape. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we all like even though it, it's okay. It's like, Got yeah. it. It's the French. It's, it's very, the French very Rachel. phallic, don't, but okay. Don't, don't overthink it. That's no, fine. <laughs> I wanted to say this earlier when we were talking about the, her decision to go back. Less about less when we were talking about Rachel's confusion, but more when I think we we're just talking about feelings, Daryl and Isabel. And anyway, so what <laughs> I was thinking was, had it occurred to any of you, and maybe especially like Bridget, that in a weird sense, being a nun was her way of achieving a, a sense of sobriety, coming clean. 
Mm. And part of that routine is some people feel like, and I think most people encourage in AA encourage that you don't go to places where there will be alcohol present. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, what is the most effective way to sober up? But it's like shooting a, a rocket at a bullseye, but it's, it's a nunnery or like a convent. Wouldn't there be wine? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if they're doing the sacrament either way. Were they growing grapes? <laughs> right. So for her lifestyle I know, I know choice, plenty of nuns that drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Damn>. true. <laughs> Especially in the Midwest for some reason. I like the idea of temperance and the constant <laughs> presence of the Lord watching you. And, but being of somebody who was of that life, they would probably make a more concerted effort to not because it's dangerous for them to follow in that. To, those to be respectful of her choices. Be, yeah. be around people who are not going to pressure you into, I get where you're going. And not going to let her slip too. You got these, this sisterhood, this, and the mother superior. Yeah, I can see that. Sure, I, didn't, I didn't assume yeah. that Isabel had like a problem. Listen to me <laughs> making excuses. Mm -hmm. Anyway. No, and um, I, that's why I included you in this. The reason, the reason I say this is because when I was at the worst point in my life, I was a very heavy drinker. And when I say that, I mean every day. And I don't just mean like a beer at the end of the day. I mean several to be drunk. The goal was to be drunk every day. I did that because I was in a bad place. And honestly, once I left that place, even when I left where I was living and I moved away at just like only like an hour and a half, I drank much, much less because all of a sudden the root of my drinking was out of my life. And so I didn't feel the need as much. Right. You so had I don't, to me, it was, I don't know. I guess maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just projecting, but I just assumed that was more circumstantial than it was like a problem. Oh no. I, I figured the same because I don't really feel that's the answer, but some people feel like that is part of it. I'm sure there would have been people in my life back then that would have been like, you should go to AA and maybe I should have at that time. But, uh, I didn't, I'm fine. <laughs> right. There was a sense to me that that was her way of, I don't know, maybe being something else for someone under her care than she was with Lily. I could so there was a little that. avoidance and I like, let's do this right. And I, and I get to do it from scratch. I can see that. So it's like avoidance. I saw a lot of that in this episode and in particular. I'm safe here overall. Yeah. I don't have to worry about going back out into the world where I have to do that kind of thing that I was doing mm -hmm. before. I would 100% guess that she was hoping that Quinn would just die. I'm going to go back to something. I'm so sorry. But I want to talk about Antoine, Antoine for a second. That's what we do. The pigeon guy, yes. Antoine. Okay. When we saw him in the first episode that we saw him, which was the last one through episode three, I remember thinking <laughs> like, I recognize this guy and I couldn't yeah. place why. And I would just be remiss if I didn't acknowledge what it was because it was a really big part of my life. People of the same age probably had this as a big part of their lives or maybe they didn't love it as much as I did but I really did my favorite movie in high school Dawn of the Dead has always been like one of my favorite movies but when I was in high school I fell in love with the French film and I watched it again and again and again and again and it was called Amelie oh, and Antoine yeah. was one of the actors I was just over the moon about this movie. I just thought it was the most beautiful love story. I was obsessed with it. Oh, well, because it was so strange and atypical. Yes, too. it's a very unusual movie. And it's about, like about a quirky the and the, uh... love. And she's <laughs> you really quirky. like the oysters of the of the 
the chicken. Do you remember? This is like yes. the one thing that stood yes, out to me. Yes, 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 right? yes. That it was the best part of the chicken. It's the, the best oyster. part of the chicken. I still think about that when I eat chicken off the bone. Right? I still think about Same. that. It's it's in my it's in my mind forever. <laughs> His name is uh, Dominique Pignon. So he played Joseph in the in the movie. Um, he ends up with the little waitress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who can't find the love. hypochondriac waitress? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Waitress, waitress, not waitless. Who can't find waitress. love? It's a very sweet movie if you've because never she's seen so it. Such a hypochondriac. Yeah, if you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. It's it's very unusual. Yeah, it was done by a pair of brothers. The main character, she became famous in America for doing that really bad Dan Brown Angels and Demons movie. Oh yes, she that's was. Right, with, she uh, was Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks counterpart and it was awkward because she's so much younger than tom hanks a anyway it just was really uncomfortable she but familiar so what they do is they film the movie on film and then they go back over the film and hyper saturate it with color it's a lot like what people used to do with um technicolor yes so it gives us a really unusual yeah. feel to the film so all the colors are like deeply saturated visually it's beautiful it's, it's stunning and it tells a really unusual quirky love story that had 16 year old bridget just smitten with the idea of love real love <laughs> something strange like this for me yeah, and she you. didn't know at the time but it was it was, it was gonna take a while I own that film. That's, it, that's how big it was for uh, an impact it had on me too. That film could be this way. It caused could be artistic, me to um, funny. Caused me to look into other French films, which I wouldn't have done otherwise as like a teen. Love Me If You Dare and um, other movies along those lines. Since we're darting around, we should go to the beginning. <laughs> we're talking about the dream sequence. And you know, obviously, oh, in the last episode, Daryl yeah. falls to the floor. And we start in this episode with completely reasonable scenario where Daryl is in some sort of labyrinthian basement cellar area of a place. There's a gate with a lock, an old timey lock on it. And Laurent's <laughs> on the other side. He's having this dream sequence and he wakes up. I kind of want to talk about what you think it means because I think there is something to it. I'm not saying like, oh, this means this is going to happen, which we usually do. But I'm saying dreams tell you a lot about deep seated fears or feelings. I feel like they've been shoving all this. He is the Messiah. He's everything. He's going to make it all better. They're shoving it all in his head so much that possibly subconsciously he is wondering if there is something more to Laurent. Maybe not what the nuns are thinking, but something. Something. But to be fair, he's actively calling out to Laurent. He's just mm -hmm. trying to. Right. So he's acting as if, like we said about Isaiah. Excuse me. Too. He's calling out for Laurent. Laurent. Like, Laurent. No, he, call him Larry. He, he, call him Lawrence. If, if oh, somebody like was out there screaming, hey, Sharandy, I don't oh, know if that's... I'd be like responding either. I'd be like, get it right, <laughs> fool. Lawrence. Laurent. He's heard it say Laurent a million times. It's Laurent. Laurent. No. No. Laurent. I wouldn't respond either. Actually, he called him Laurent. 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 <laughs> that's even here. worse. Maybe it's Daryl's subconscious starting to believe that he might be something special and it's not just a bunch of bull hockey maybe this kid really is something special and that's what's going on in his subconscious drowning in unconscious mind i'm watching bridget right yeah now. she's like this cut this no i just i think it's interesting to hear what you guys think about it i'm, I'm, not, think it's interesting. I'm not saying that's what's no, really I'm happening i'm, I'm saying that's daryl's mind accepting that it might be something special. he might be something special i'm not saying that's where believe. they're going my interpretation of that, well, one, when I first watched it, I was like, 
What? <laughs> I, same. I'm like thinking of Bridget the what entire is time. Happening? Like, what is happening? There's that one walker when he's yelling that the walker like turns and looks at him and then like immediately turns away like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and goes back to Laurent, which cracked me up. No, the walker, the is walker the puts his arm around the walker. Is like, who guy. is Laurent? <laughs> Who's Laurent? I don't know. Some dude. I don't know. That was really funny to me. That that part really cracked me up. There were a lot of walkers looking towards the camera in this episode, like more than normal, which again mm-hmm. was like kind of like jarring. As soon as Laurent walked into the hallway, I was like, this is a dream. I'm glad you knew because it was driving me insane. There's no way that Daryl fell down into this area. And that's exactly, that's exactly where Laurent is. Yeah, yeah no, it's a dream. So I did think in terms of like, is this showcasing fear or whatever? There's a part of Daryl that's fearful that he can't help Laurent or he'll end up being put in a situation in which he can't help him. But this could also be a fear of like, what if they're right? And there is something to this kid. God is real. And I haven't believed any of it. Like, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be like terrifying? Meaning you yeah. or meaning Daryl? No, Daryl. Like, wouldn't that be terrifying? Okay, okay. Like, yeah. I believe yeah. it. Sorry. I believe in God. I'm, I, but Bridget, I'm clearly good. you don't believe enough. It's <laughs> I'm fine. Good. But, <laughs> I'm all good. But well, I can you see, don't want this kid to be the Messiah. No, so I do not. I made clearly. So then believe a little longer. I don't. I think the saying is there are no atheists in rooftop holes or something like that and foxhole yeah, yeah, yeah that's the, from world war ii and rooftop right. holes. interesting i like that that's bad that's good it's very acclimable it's so and weird that it's so specific if i didn't and then had something like affirm it so wholeheartedly i don't mean fear isn't like it's not like scared fear there's a different kind of fear when you talk about something so much bigger than you it's the same kind of fear that you get rachel middle of the ocean right okay it's not so much uh, it's the same thing for me it's not it's not (laughs) like i am i am fearful of water that's not what it is it's that you're so small Mm -hmm. right that's the The, fear surrounded by that vastness so same thing when i go to the science museum and i see the whale skeleton every time it shakes me to my core in internally how is something this big something about it just really terrifies me but it's not that i'm afraid of whales because i'm not but there's something about knowing that you're so tiny in the world and i'm not talking like scared fear i'm talking awe reverence see that's you finally said the word i was ready to tee up and say yeah (laughs) awe awe is the right word in hebrew there's many words for fear but that particular word is a type of awe there are elements in that word of feeling small feeling minuscule but also feeling not the weight but an overwhelming presence of what once was, now I know better. It's kind of like what people describe psychedelics, LSD, that all of a sudden your mind opens up to so many more possibilities that you didn't think of before. And of course, you're filled with such awe, but also like a better understanding of the world that it opens up, it unlocks something in your mind, mind altering. There's a Ben Fold song about that, where he talks about this guy that, I had a really bad trip. He went and climbed up a tree. And when he came back down, he was a Christian. It's like, it's like a story from when he was growing up. He grew up here in North Carolina, actually. The mind altering, so it does something to you. And if you, yeah. if you opened your eyes and you saw everything there was to see in the universe, that's what it did for him. The one other thing that I wanted to touch on that seems obvious, but it, I don't think it is for all the, saying that my job, then my job here is done in the last episode when they were at Falou's 
camp. It was like, oh, this guy can't get me the radio and the pigeons and the, oh, my job here is done. That guy can take you to the nest. Sayonara. When this episode opens up, you have to keep in mind, he falls through the roof just after having this falling out with Isabella. And of course they make, make up later on. But in this moment, oh, they're still in the aftermath of that argument. I think in this dream sequence, he's also admitting that he cares more about Laurent and his fate and making sure that he fulfills whatever it is, even if it's a fairy tale, even if nothing comes of it. He is, contrary to what he says to is- Isabel, that he is invested and he cares more about him than he cares to admit also. And it seems obvious, but it really isn't. You intrinsically know Daryl and that he can't leave a situation unresolved, even though sometimes we say, OK, he's not going to white knight her. But he's sure as hell going to give whoever it is that's in trouble enough of the tools to be able to dig themselves out or failing that if they slip and they may really hurt themselves. He will come in and save the day. We know that. But with regards to this kid, there may be some people that be like, OK, Daryl, get get out of what? It's, who cares? Daryl, go home. That's where we want you. We want you to be with the people we saw on the TV for the last decade plus. There are people like that. So when you have a scene like this, of these deep-seated feelings. This informs the audience, dude, he cares about him more than, than he cares to admit. And it's supposed to tell the audience he's invested. He's not going to leave the situation unresolved, at the very least. I like film craft in that sense because it you think that scene, and really, this scene does not have to be here. <laughs> it screws with our heads a little bit because of his dream suit, and I'm a, I was a little mad at it at first. <laughs> also, But it's, it's very informative of Dar- Daryl's feeling, which is something that we don't get. Daryl says very few words. So when we get to see this full color picture of what it's like to be in his head, pay attention. That's his feelings. Even if he says something, there's a maybe there's a whole ocean of nothing behind it. And he's really not thinking of anything. But when we look at Daryl, we're thinking he's thinking of something. I may not know what it is, but he's thinking. And this is one of those things. I also thought of something else, though, and more when we were talking than rather in my notes. And I thought there was a distinct two tiny, tiny nuggets that I want to see if you felt something of that. And that is when he sees Laurent walking away with the walkers, I saw two things. I saw maybe he feels like he needs to be needed, even if he knows he shouldn't be in that scenario. I think he feels like in some ways he needs to be needed, but also that I think in some ways he wants to be involved with this in this kid's life and that he may fear that at some point he won't get to be or that he might be pushed away in some sense. It's out of your hands now, Daryl. You have to let Laurent go, foreshadowing maybe even. Do you feel like he sees Laurent as a sort of stand-in for Judith? I was going there. I was going to say that you're reminding me of the conversation we had earlier about, oh, that's not Daryl torturing people because Daryl's soft. Daryl's only softened because he's a dad. Whether they're his kids or not, (laughs) he's a dad. He's been a dad, and it was for a good long while and that's going to change most people now i feel like that part of him is what laurent is appealing to or maybe the wanting the relationship with laurent is just coming from that dad part of him that is missing judith and rj which is what you meant charity by him being a stand-in for judith Mm -hmm. that maybe he misses her in a sense he knows judith is special and like not messiah special so why couldn't laurent also be special in his own way if i can help him i'm by extension helping helping judith even though i'm not there so take the next step so what does it mean that he can't though and these are just his feelings keep that in mind it's this world man he can't help everybody they have to eventually learn how to fly on their own he's only one man 
Just like Judith, she was a pretty independent little thing. Laurent is also the opposite of Judith because Judith has been taught since she was old enough to stand up how to be a fighter and how to fight. And Laurent has been kept secluded and away from any danger at all. So he is like the flip side of Judith. Maybe she doesn't really need my help anymore. She's always going to need oh. me, but maybe she doesn't need my help anymore. But now Laurent does. Or that level of help, mm -hmm. right? Laurent does. Like he Isabel has no too. survival skills whatsoever. Yet still, there may be a point where even if he doesn't have all the skills he needs, he might not be able or might not be allowed to see that through. But that's I inevitable think. because he's going home. <laughs> well, I don't know. Second season, who knows what that's going to be. I mean, that's true. Right? Yeah. You know what? I'm happy with just that question hanging, actually, because that gives you something to think about after the episode. Are we sure that he's going to go home right away? Right. Season two, they're going to cross over into Africa and have a whole different set of adventures. They're going to go on safari. They're going to make action figures with Daryl. <laughs> it's going to be a whole different ball game going to Africa. I could see Daryl in a, the Bedouin people with the, like a whole thing. Oh, can't you see it? It's glorious. No? <laughs> Daryl of Arabia. I'd buy, I'd, yeah, Daryl of Arabia. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Oh Rita, ride with, I am going to go Photoshop that right now. <laughs> ride with Rita's, yeah, sure. I want to move forward only one scene where he oh. actually wakes up in the yes. water. Am I crazy? He got bit, right? Yeah. We all saw that walker <laughs> chomp on his ankle. It was yep. his boot. And, it was his boot. And then. Yeah. Yep, all yups. I don't, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. It's a yup. When he was like swimming up, he stabbed the thing in the head and we see the, the blood come from the walker's head and then the and then he like floats down, right? Uh, walker's dead. And then Daryl is swimming up. I swear, I saw I swear. like a stream of blood coming from his pant leg, not the walker's head. So that I didn't see that. But again, I had to rewind, freeze frame, do it all. I, I, and like once he got out of the water, he didn't look at the boot like he didn't check to like see, like there was no attention drawn to this whatsoever. So I just the whole episode, I kept waiting for something. And you know I'm like, oh, shit, Daryl's going to lose his leg. You want to know what made it worse? And the the you and me, you and me are on the same page, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Antoine, he says, are you OK? And he goes, or no, uh, I can't believe you're alive. Most sort of sort of sort yeah. of. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. So sort that, of. And, and leave it to Daryl to not check. Because he'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm done. Right? Because you'd think, right? Because this is how we, we, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm bit. So this is what's going to happen. I was just reminded of Jerry in the cave. There was blood and stuff on his shoes, too. But it came from the walker's mouths trying to bite to get through. Not necessarily right, them biting 10, his skin. 10, my nightmare episode. K. That's the worst episode Sweet. of all time. Oh, my God. <laughs> when they first announced the Daryl show and it was going to be Daryl and Carol, and we were joking about, well, maybe Daryl will be a walker. <laughs> Carol will be walking yeah. around. So yeah. maybe yeah. that's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I hate this added component of the cure. And then, oh, Daryl's, he's no. better. All it made me think of, of course, was, I was thinking that. This is why, this is why your boy always has his pants tied. <laughs> and like the boots over this the, is uh, the why. thing and the wrapped around the Because people are always yeah. like, why does he have that? Like, I've responded to it on a Reddit post before. And one, live in the South and mm -hmm. then go in the woods and then tell me that you won't do this because you will. <laughs> right. You also need like a bandana for pooping. So you take it off and just yeah, use it for pooping. Maybe. There's, up and, there's yep. snakes. There are all yeah, sorts Rachel. of critters. And there's <laughs> tons of bugs. And there's poison ivy and poison oak. And there are lots of reasons that you want no part of your skin exposed. 
on the lower half of your body. Mm-hmm. So came in handy. Yep. Valid. But wait, so so Bridget, did you not have a little bit of a freak out when you saw that bite? No. I, I was like, oh, it belief his, in God. I was things. like, wait, it oh, it must have been his butt boot. That yeah, was like was all like, I thought. I was like, oh. Jerry okay. in a cave, move on. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> that's that's about it for that. Thanks, Antoine. Thanks, Daryl. <laughs> because here's the thing, okay? Because they could, and just like the Isabel and Daryl with the thing. They could decide to flip the script and go, oh, no, he was bitten. Oh, wah. I don't know. Daryl knows by now. Like, uh, no, I don't think he did get bit. It just was like shocking to me that we just sort of like glossed right over. Like, we're not even going to check. We're not going to like, we saw this happen and we're just going to move on like it didn't happen. And I know he didn't actually get bit because Daryl knows by now, if you did, you'd be chopping that off. Like, chop it off. See, I thought about that, too. (laughs) And I thought, is Daryl the kind of person that would be... that would just walk it off or would take care of business. And I like, he my, would just, complete the task at hand because to him, the task <laughs> at hand, sure. well, it depends, but because this is about saving Laurent, that would be worth more than his life to him. Yeah. But there's still that part of me that thinks he would just power through. <laughs> like Daryl's the wound. cure. That's what we're going to find out. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but Daryl be stubborn. Laurent, too. It's Daryl. And it's, and it's, Oh, the oh. cure is being stubborn. I know we always we always thought it was Rick in the back of our minds. Like, oh, Rick is a the start of the virus and b the cure. I can't help Laurent if I have one leg, so I need to make sure that I help him first with these two legs before I figure out if I was bitten. Right. Well, he also can't help Laurent <laughs> if he dies, right? <laughs> and it's unpredictable when when you're gonna like die and turn. I think if he did get bit, he'd have chopped it off and figured it out. I think what bothers us most is that he he really didn't check, not really, and that's that's right. what bothers me the most. Yeah. Because yeah. if he did, and that would have been it, and that was, and he would have known, and he could be like, okay, I'm powering through, or oh, yeah. oh, it's not to chop off that leg. Eh, whatever. <laughs> I just hate that it's in there to begin with. Yeah, like, why even and put it in there? Mm-hmm. You know why they did it? Because Norman Reedus watches the show, and we were making fun of him a lot for saying, oh, no way. And then he said, let's fuck with <laughs> these guys. You know, post, because he traveled back in time yeah. to add mm-hmm. that scene, or whatever. Yeah, anyway. yeah, sure. That's what he did. Okay. What a f***ing asshole. <laughs> Love you. My only takeaway from the scene with Jenae and Quinn is really the things she says to get him to exchange Daryl. And they may seem dumb, whatever. Like, weapons is dumb. I don't have anything for that. But she offers arms. She offers 20 bushels of corn, which, of course, you're thinking, okay, it's probably a throwaway line. To make alcohol. But for me, it was like... But, you know, you don't make that leap. Or you could, and you could throw it away. But 20 bushels of corn is a specific reference to... What may be William Faulkner's short story called Barn Burning, wherein, just to give you a picture of what this is about, it's in the aftermath of the Civil War. You have tenant farmers, white tenant farmers working alongside black tenant farmers for landlords. It's like this weird kind of feudal system, etc. One of the landlords is called the Major de Spain in this story. It focuses on the Abner family, a son and a father. And the whole premise of the story is about whether he should choose between remaining loyal to his father or doing what he knows is morally right by alerting an intended victim of the crime his father is about to commit. The whole French reference comes in because the father had muddied the carpet of the of the landlord, the elder father of the younger Abner. And the carpet was a very expensive French carpet. And the argument that he has with the elder Abner is about, well, since you don't have $100, which is was a lot of money at the time, I'll just take 20 bushels of corn from you. 
So the French reference comes in with the carpet and the 20 bushels of corn. So obviously, Genet was a Faulkner fan, a William Faulkner fan. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> this feels like a bit of a stretch name. <laughs> this feels like a I, bit of a stretch name. The only place I could... Everyone knows that, right? I mean, French That's carpets, just... right? French carpets. <laughs> anyway, I assumed it was to make alcohol. I mean, right. I just like corn, so I'm like, yeah, eat that shit. Just, just eat that shit. When, <laughs> when Anna Valeri was offering truffles and he was like, I don't care. Oh, but corn, yeah. That's cool. Major American crop too, by the way. But anyway, the second thing she mentions is the... Because this is very long. The Faulkner one was the long one. He wants one. Okay. the painting. Calvados is a select apple cider. It's made from a particular oh, the- breed of apples. Very expensive. But it also refers to one of the 83 departments in the French Revolution as well. So it's a very interesting tie to French history. It's a part of the department in the French Revolution that was form- formerly the province of Normandy, too, which was a whole big thing in World War II. But what he does want instead is uh, Monet's Japanese foot- footbridge. The significance with the Monet thing. Monet is significant as an artist, especially to the Impressionism movement, but maybe Isabel enjoys Monet is what I felt like that came from. Well, she was admiring water lilies. Because she admired it. um, She admired it when it was there. Then I felt like after that fact, then he was like, I've heard you have another Monet and I want that one because I want to have these things to try to- Monet's. How about a Monet in your Monet on your Monet? <laughs> These are all from the Water Lilies series that Monet did later right, in his life. Right, right. That particular one was meant to illustrate the harmony between humanity and nature, painted at the dawn of major industrialization, reminding us to look at the flowers. <laughs> that was me ad-libbing the facts. But it was the whole idea of as we industrialize, as we put in skyscrapers and factories and smoky things that cloud the atmosphere and cars and and stuff like that. It was his way of, because the Japanese footbridge is muted while the lilies are popping. And the whole idea was to admire nature while we have it. (laughs) We may not. And and to be in harmony with nature, humanity (laughs) and nature in harmony. That was that whole point of the piece. But yes, Impressionism is important because of what a Janae says. Let's not forget her sister's name is Lily. (laughs) I think that has something to do with why Isabel enjoys Monet paintings, but... Janae says something about it being like degenerate art. Degenerate. <laughs> degenerate. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wanted to talk about that because that's an interesting concept. I haven't heard anything said about impressionism like that in a really long time, maybe ever. But I get where that comes from because that's very much what it would have been said about impressionism at the time of its creation. Monet came from an <laughs> era in which everyone learned how to paint the same way. You studied a still life or a person and you made a portrait and that was it. Like Rembrandt. Everything was meant to look realistic. It was all about realism. Those were the, the masters of art were these, these painters that did these realistic paintings. Well, everything started to look the same muted tones and, and either a portrait of a person or a still life of some books on a table with some fruit. It's like why when we think of still life, you think of like the same image. Fruit, books, flowers. Fruit, books, flowers, like in some array. People in the scene. All in, in, Gross. Yeah. So Monet and other like-minded artists, Renoir, which brings me back to uh, 
Amelie, because uh, he plays a big part in Amelie. But anyway, <laughs> those who get it, get As it. As Dave elbows Bridget, has to say it for the podcast. So Monet came from a time period in which they were trying to break free of this idea. Early Monet paintings are done in the same style, the same realism style, because this is how he was taught to paint. This was also a time period in which, much like today, being an artist is frowned upon because you can't make any money that way. And the same stuff you hear nowadays with why you shouldn't be an artist because you're not going to make any money. And I believe he ended up becoming part of this movement of these young artists. They were considered the rebels of like art at the time because what they would do is they would go out into the world and they would paint on the spot, which is like not what you did. You would sketch before and you would like really be really like meticulous about what you were painting. Methodical. He became one of these people who painted with like fervor and it was like fast and you used quick, small brush strokes and you did everything outside because you're trying to encapsulate nature in that moment instead of i set up this still life the still life could be there for four days and it would look exactly the same this instead i'm trying to catch the way that the light hits the water or the way that the sun comes through the leaves and the trees i'm trying to catch all of these things as they happen when you look at monet's artwork that's why impressionism is considered very similar not to be confused with pointillism but considered to be very similar because pointillism uses dots repeated dots to create one piece of art when you step away from it impressionism it's the entire piece impressionism has the same effect due to the quick brush strokes that impressionist artists use so when you look really close at it you can see each individual brush stroke really rapidly having been moved across the page but when you step back from it you can see it as a whole picture you get the impression yep that's where the name comes from it was considered like kind of sloppy at the time again this wasn't how the masters were doing art so this was like rebellion it's not the way that each it's movement done, of art Bridget. is considered rebellion but this was like the big rebellion that moved us forward into uh, other things yeah. like fauvism wait till you get to which postmodernism. fauvism is i believe matisse was considered a fauvist fauvism is actually french for wild animal this was like where we were leading to i think it's still part of the modern modern art movement but not the postmodern art movement where it's just, yeah. just Well, then it's just annoying. TV anyway, splashing. And- well, anyway. no, that's not postmodern. <laughs> anyway, go on. Sorry. There is, it does tie back to the episode, but. <laughs> Monet and Toulouse-Lautrec that I talked about in the second episode were contemporaries in France. Yes. I teach art history to, to very small children who don't always understand what I'm saying, but that's okay. Because exposure, <laughs> exposure <laughs> is education in its own right. It, it applies here too. Sure. <laughs> so the term that she uses, Janet uses. Impressionism is degenerate art is a term that was used by the Nazi party. Mm. And it was called Entalte Kunst to describe modern art. And it was generally an insult to German feeling. This is what, when I read this, I'm like, wait, we're going here? We're going to, that she used the exact words? Well, that's why she wears the jacket. She's a Nazi. The whole eugenics and then also the, the idea of like no imperfections and so that's why she says that thing to sonia about how people like you weak and uh come on i don't like the pattern that's this weaving this is too on the nose for me for my liking i'll go with it but anyway impressionism was seen as a sign of a diseased visual cortex because of course they were very fearful i don't know i don't know if the right word's fearful that's so stupid But, (laughs) but to weed out imperfection from the populace 
And this is not a leap. This is a pointed remark that refers to this particular moment in time. And yes, Monet and all his gang were rooted out of their works were placed next to the graffiti in the streets to illustrate how shitty their works was. So this is street art. This doesn't belong in museums. And yes, thank you for going back to Sonia. But there was this moment where she picks up the child. And I did not have a sympathetic feeling for Janae, but I thought, okay, maybe am I understanding her motivations right? I know I'm jumping back and forth. I, we, oh, we just went from Nazi party to maybe soft feeling f- feelings for Janae. Yeah, I, I'm a Jew, sympathizes with a Nazi. So <laughs> what Ooh. happened? She holds the baby. <laughs> she, shushes, she shushes the baby. The music is, is belying what's happening in the scene, in my opinion. Kind of like when we see Codon on the screen and Rachel still gets that feeling of like, but is he bad, right? Is he bad? Even though the music and everything leading up to it is like the camera angle shows that he's menacing. It's a... In your brain, you're like, am I being forced to see something that might not be there? So she coos the baby and then she proceeds. She hesitates, but then she proceeds to hold it on her shoulder. Just embrace it. I thought to myself, I was at first, but then I thought on second watch that maybe she feels like all of this is super exhausting after 12 years and that this baby reminds her of what she's fighting for. Just like Isabel with Laurent and him being who he is. I mean, that's got to be exhausting too, having to be the caretaker of the Messiah too. I just see, I saw a little bit of symmetry there. I also saw a little bit of like an entry point for sympathy for Janae because like Caudron and like the experiments that we saw in the last episode, well, what if her whole thing is to rid these things from humanity, these, the walkers, and she's been working very hard and the the burners were a terrible, terrible mistake as well as the end scene in the Walking Dead World Beyond probably maybe, but then... It just must be weighing after making mistake after mistake after mistake with these things for the last 12 years. This baby is a reminder of what we're fighting for. Maybe. I saw like a a softness, just a little, just enough throughout the Nazi stuff. I was terrified the whole time she was killing me. The whole time. I was like, oh my God. I was having like MASH finale flashbacks. But then when she didn't kill the baby, which I thought for sure was what she was going to do. Then I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, she's going to take this kid. And oh yeah, I thought that too it, a little put bit. It in, you know, raise it up in their army or whatever. Like, there's no way the mom's getting the kid back either way. In I don't even like scene? kids, and I was worried about that. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, we all we have we know the clip, right? Oh, babe, kids, we need kids, but kill them anyway. So <laughs> that's done. We we shall not talk about it. But you may not have noticed that in that scene, as you're watching it, terrified, everybody in that scene, all eyes were on Janae. Mm-hmm. also terrified like a monet painting right like pointillism if you look close enough you can see the the, <laughs> the eyes of terror on this woman with this child from a distance they, they this big tense blob that makes you tense so it's just very interesting to note that even Cadon is looking at her too and all for all the feelings we may or may not have about him he was kind of like just like in the last ep- episode looking at the experiment He's like, ah, okay. <laughs> What's I don't? What did I sign up for again? Mm-hmm. A face tattoo? I just wanted the face <laughs> tattoo. I didn't really sign up for this. Her own men are looking at her, <laughs> and they're like, I had my doubts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is but all right. Anyway, but nothing happened, and I, I just thought this. Of course, after the shock fades, you watch it again. If you're lucky, not like us all the time. And I, I got this thought. I had this feeling, this thought that maybe you in the audience might have seen as well that maybe you got something out of it as well. I was extra nervous because the woman was like standing up to her and really telling her what she thought about oh, her. Sonia 
Well, she, Sonia did not yeah. give Yeah, me. she... Ooh, I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, I have a quick question. When they're at the tower and Quinsman take Laurent, is he holding on to the headrest in the car? <laughs> Laurent? Yeah, Laurent? it seemed like he wasn't like... Daryl's like trying to pull him and he's like, Daryl, Daryl! But it looked like he yeah, was like I holding on to it. I, I was like... Is he going with them? Is he like, no, 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 I'm going with them. I have I a like, lot of feelings about doing? that scene, too. Just get out the car. I was really get confused. Get out of the car. Well, then I thought, Safety does he first. need to go <laughs> so that he can, like, meet his dad or whatever? Is that, like, part of his... Does he feel like he has to do that? I don't know. I was... Like, called out for Daryl, but maybe there's a technical... Does he know what a car is? Has he ever seen a car? Does he have any concept of what's going on? No That's idea. true. That's a great point, Charity. Once Laurent is in the car and Daryl catches up to him, I took that one very specific way, and I don't know if it was a choice by the actor or what. The way he says Daryl's name, I didn't hear, like, save me. It was more like, Daryl... Listen, like he was about to tell him something. When he was in the car, he said Daryl's name differently than when he was being carried over to the car. Let go. I'll be okay. Yes. Like it was more about getting Daryl's attention now instead of help me, Daryl. Oh, maybe he felt it in his tummy. Yeah, maybe he felt <laughs> in his tummy that he knew where he was going. I have to really admit, I had not thought about this at all. And I'm not a stubborn man to say you're wrong. <laughs> But you've you got me say think, it all the time. <laughs> I, I infer it all the time. I don't say it. Also, I am. But but no, but you guys have me thinking di differently about that scene. I will rewatch it and, and maybe think about it differently. doesn't happen often. I'm usually right about everything. Right, Rachel? But well, because no. and there's a I'm moment kidding. where Daryl does have a hold of <laughs> Laurent. He's trying to pull him out and you almost see Laurent. Pull yeah, back. interesting. I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Daryl's walking up the stairs. I think this is right after he get, he gets out of the the roof and all that stuff. And I found this scene very interesting and also a little odd. The cellist who's playing Johann Sebastian Bach's cello suite one, mm -hmm. but, you know, the do 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 do. Okay, and then the old couple. I want to know what you guys thought of that scene because it is odd, right? You don't think that in this world of communities and, and whatever, but also Paris being Paris. For us, it's a little bit of a culture shock, but what, what did you get out of that scene? It reminded me of World Beyond. The beginning of World Beyond was really jarring. Well, she goes to the housing to see her therapist, Iris does. Dr. K. And it's like really jarring because they like live in their own apartments. So to me, that's what it reminded me of was like, oh, they're living in their own apartments and they're like continuing their lives and like people are still living and like enjoying life. Outside this what drama. What a concept. Literally, this is the ultimate YOLO. Our people are constantly like, we're fighting for what's right. And finally, we see right. people that are like, nah, bro, I'm good. I'm going to enjoy life. <laughs> so my question is, we're in a big city and it has been 12 years or so, but where are all of the dead? Because there aren't a whole lot for being in a big city, right? They still have these like militant type groups walking around that I think are probably taking care of. <clears throat> whatever they come across when they're traveling. Especially if they were there from the start, too. Mm -hmm. de vivant. And of course, movements change. They didn't immediately embrace Nazism. <laughs> maybe they had well intentions and they cleaned up most of the city. And maybe the member, okay, going to your point, Sharon, maybe part of that barricade at the Eiffel Tower was made by them and they put a whole bunch of them behind mm -hmm. there or something or other. I don't know. Why not put them down? Maybe they believe the same thing as uh, Isabel. 
you have this couple that's just sitting in their apartment having dinner in the windows. But do you feel like you would see that in Atlanta if you went back there now? So what is the difference between Paris and, I don't know, Cincinnati or whatever? Like, what is, why, why can these people... Selfish. So I, I was sort of thinking that in response to you as well, Sharon D, that it, go, it does maybe dovetail into individualism versus the common good or what, what, the, what this, the French saying, which is liberté, fraternité. Like part of the whole slogan is fraternity, is brotherhood. Okay, this no, is no. no, this is like a nice belief to believe that people would like be there for each other. But like, Listen, ultimately, I don't believe that humans that's the case. are horrible, <laughs> ultimately. And no, because uh, where, no, were you guys doing this during COVID? Was France different than America? <laughs> it was horrible here. People were fighting over toilet paper. Were you not fighting over toilet paper over there? Here's Probably where my statement were. comes from. So... The American militaries, in my opinion, would be more worried about going to take care of their families than actually stay in a military where these guys out in France are actually militarizing themselves. I don't think that they're going around and killing walkers to make the city better, but I think if they come across them, they're going to take them out. Why leave that threat, if that makes sense? But what leads you to believe that the military that we have would not stay where they were? What leads you to believe that they would be selfishly motivated? I don't think it's selfish to worry about your family, but I do think that we are more selfish overall because of the individualism that we're taught. I don't think that's true at all. I think people are horrible across the world. I don't think it matters where you live. I think no matter you know where I stand on that. <laughs> I do yeah. you think they bombed Paris like we bombed Atlanta and other cities? New I don't York? think so. No. Do you think yeah, maybe I, that? I don't get I don't, that I'm sense. not sure how that would make a difference, but... Do you think that made a difference? Do you think they bombed the big cities in Europe and stuff like that like they did in America? I don't get the sense that they yeah. did. But what do you guys think? I don't think so either because so. otherwise your people all would have left the city. People aren't in Atlanta because people didn't stay in Atlanta because the people that did stay because in Atlanta did. are dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're undead. Yeah. Okay, well, let's now. look at American criminals or whatever you want to call them in the well, Walking Dead not. universe, right? <laughs> These people right. have been allowed to live in their apartments. They don't have to worry about who's going to come break their apartment down and shoot them in the face and steal all their crap in France. I could not see that happening, like you said, in Atlanta. Okay, but I'm New saying, York. like, this is not real. This is television. So these I'm just saying, like, these are stereotypes also, that are built Takira. up. That I'm saying, like, I God. people are horrible no matter where you are. I think that's a dream. And I think that when people say stuff like that, it really irks me. I can tell you France has a serious racial problem. Are you saying now or are you no, saying now. in this show? No, now, in reality. Okay. Uh, they have a lot of problems and some of those problems exacerbate racial tensions, so sure. I, so what I'm saying is, like, while this is nice, like, this idea, this, like, <laughs> this there, European, but... <laughs> like, idea that, like, there's a sense of community, I'm just saying that I don't think that this yeah. is what would really happen. That's all I'm trying well, to say. Okay. Why don't we take two steps back? And in terms of the scene, though, in what way does this inform you of the world narratively when Daryl sees this? The cellist, the old couple... Could it be things that he's wanted that these people seem to have because they're sheltering in place? <laughs> I see. I was trying to remember the term, the exact funny term that they use. Shelter in place. place, six feet, no toilet paper. Forget about what you think it is. What did you feel when you saw Daryl see these people all of a sudden? Music. It was really beautiful and kind of wistful. Mm -hmm. These people have managed to do this without having something like the Commonwealth around them. Or Alexandria, like they're they're on their own and doing and have, making beautiful music and 
having dinner together and living like a family and they're doing that without having authority like you have it like you or even when they were at the prison because rick was ultimately the authority at the prison right for the most part so he's seeing like this this can happen without people without having to have the someone else without right. having someone it, else it, tell the you come what, to what do. may right pure almost like a libertarian attitude okay well whatever happens out there is none of my business don't you think that that's why they did the pan over to the dead, though? Because, like, it was because it's, it's like almost like you're like, oh, this doesn't seem like it's in this world. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, is this another oh, dream? The apocalypse <laughs> is still here. They're right there. Yeah, but even with the walls and even with all the protections that he had at the Commonwealth, it still got busted into and overrun and so did alexandria and so did the prison i think you could argue then that in this world maybe america's flaw then is that we're focused on rebuilding for the future whereas this is very much a what is that laissez-faire <laughs> like i said libertarian laissez-faire capitalism <laughs> historically royalty doesn't go over well in france so but just this, uh, uh, yeah. just this idea of like do you just live your life and enjoy what you have now? The future be damned. Eat, drink, and be merry. You mean like K sera sera? Yeah. Yes. What will be is what will yes, be. Yeah. Paris sera toujours Paris. Yeah. yeah. So I got that as well. The one piece that I want to go to was the actual cello piece, which is Johann Sebastian Bach's cello suite, one of his cello suites. Yo-Yo Ma was doing a Riverside performance in New Zealand in 2011 after the major earthquakes that they had there. And he said the following about this piece. This piece, in some strange coded way that culture does, represents in many ways the water that is flowing right in front of us, the riverside that he was playing in front of. It also represents when something very violent and tragic interpreted the flow. Debris or chunks of debris or waste or whatever, things that interrupt the flow of that river. This piece also includes the rebuilding and the reimagining of the better version of the very first. Obviously, I'll include the, the link to this article in the blog, but... I just thought that was a very interesting thing to, as a companion to watching this scene, that maybe these people are making it better than the first. That, yes, they can live life the way they wish to live it without f forming big groups and, and factions and messiahs and, and authority and Nazis. That maybe they could live in this world the way they wish to, and in doing so, make it better. And that maybe it's not about selfishness and, and whatnot, but maybe, oh yeah, you know, they can help more people than they maybe they'd be, they did before. Maybe they could be more neighborly or friendly or whatnot. That maybe, like any of us would see a zombie apocalypse, oh, I can be my better self. Because that's us. When we're watching this show, we idealize ourselves, right, Bridget? <laughs> yes. Even though you yes. acknowledge yes. that yes. people are horrible, yes. but you yourself, oh, but not me. <laughs> God-fearing me. But in spite of ourselves, then maybe we could be and make it better. Like, well, just like because be I say people, just because I say people are horrible, doesn't mean I don't have eternal optimism and hope. I know that's why I said that. I know it's contradiction. <laughs> it's a contradiction. It's fine. I learn a lot from you, though. I agree with Bridget. People are horrible. Mm -hmm. I know that you do. It falls it's into like my. It sound. falls into my faith, though. That's where that comes from, Dave. That's yeah, yeah, a, yeah. yeah. But this one. I've said this on numerous I know. occasions. Yeah. Have you on the left and have Bridget on the right. Extreme left, extreme right, but you're saying the same thing. And Takira can't get away fast enough in my, the middle of the screen. There are exceptions. We all try to, we, we, I'm talking about us here, all try to be good people, but you can't always be the best person. Mm -mm. Sometimes shit happens and you snap and things go wrong. 
but that doesn't mean you're not a good person. You just are a human. I also spend most of my time listening to murder podcasts, so all I hear about are monsters. I listen to history podcasts, so it's not that it's much horrible. different. So not too far different. Yeah, not, not that much right. different, but but the, the whole the thing is there are some people out there that don't try to be good people that are just, just all around terrible. Yes. But there are a lot of people out there that try to be good people and sometimes just happens and just try to yes. be patient and be the best person you can be. Try yep. to be as nice and kind as you can and be the anti-Karen. I didn't mm-hmm. mean to be like, you guys are all horrible. Like, that's not what I was No, saying. no, I mean, I know. That's not I what I was that, saying. Not, I was just, no, no, human I, nature I understand. is to I mean, be I totally selfish. Know that, but you're human. We can't help what our nature is, but you can do the best you can to not be that person. Isabel sacrifices herself yet again so that she can get Quinn to get Pouvoir de Vivant to give Laurent a clear path to the nest. But Janae wants the boy too. This is something that she doesn't know. Quinn wants the boy because it's the only way she'll stay, in my opinion. So either way, they both want the kid. And what Isabel says to Daryl about her, don't worry, I'll come back when the boy is safe, when Laurent is safe. That's not ever going to be true if this, this thing plays out. They're both gunning for the boy to bring him back. And even if the boy makes it safe, Quinn is going to make it so he can bring the boy because he knows that if he does not have control over the boy, he does not have control over Isabel. To me, Isabel's logic, and I know that you're sort of thinking this way too, but you don't know what it is. To me, Isabel's logic doesn't land with me. She feels that she has to do this in order to give him the best chance. So I can accept that. But she's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think course. we all yeah. agree that. <laughs> but she can be wrong and it not be perfectly fitting for her character to do because of her experiences and what life has told her. What one must do in order to appease whatever higher power is currently the authority over her, whether it's God, or whether it's Quinn, etc. That's really all I wanted to say, just to kind of button that up. Because I felt like we went all over the place a little bit because between the romance and the... <laughs> Just we kind of flew from that part to the other part, and oh, but maybe it's like Carol. But okay, just okay, everybody, calm down. It's fine. And with that, everybody, if you like what you if heard, you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com/squawkingdead. Five stars in an aubergine <laughs> is all we need to know that you love us. But tell us what you like. Tell us what you didn't like. Tell us what we know we might have missed. But remember to tell us after every episode. And if you really like what we're doing, and you want to be a part of these recording sessions in the real time chat. Well, it's free to follow us on either Kofi or Patreon, and it's also free to attend these recording sessions. The only thing is that we only post our recording sessions on ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead and patreon.com slash squawkingdead. And if you really feel like you think that we're doing a good job, well, you can tip us on Kofi and you'll get access to our unedited episode recordings. It's a little perk that you get when you tip us. And if you decide to join a membership tier on either Kofi or Patreon, you'll get immediate access to our Discord for only a dollar, as well as a whole host of other things in the Kofi shop. And of course, Patreon just introduced shops, so I'm going to have to spend time filling that effort up. Thank you for joining us on this wonderful journey. I, I find the complexity of even this fast-moving episode. I know that we had feelings about where this might go, but I like where we are. I like that we're even moving faster than we did in the last episode, and I hope that you did too. With that, can't wait to break down the next episode next week. Hopefully, you'll join us both in the chat or in the audience as we premiere or enjoying it on your audio podcast ear bosoms that's not a thing take care everybody we'll see you next time bye ear bosoms bye
Thank you again for listening to another one of our episode breakdowns on not just The Walking Dead Daryl Dixon, but any of our podcast episodes. And as always, we like to thank our supporters at the end of the episode. It's a little perk that they receive as thanks for their generous support, starting with the Survivors tier members. We've got Takira, who was with us in this episode breakdown, who you can reach at ko-fi.com slash Connie Dixon for life. That's Connie Dixon, the number four, L-Y-F-E. Linda Peck Athens, who you can reach at ko-fi.com slash fanartlindy at elizajones 71 on Instagram or at jonesaj6 on Twitter and of course at realryangm on Twitter. And moving on to our Whispers tier members, we have at judith.morton on Instagram, Aiden Atkin, who you can reach at ko-fi.com slash Aiden Atkin, at Tyler Phillip Cox on both Instagram and Twitter. And on Facebook, we've got at sandy.d.morrison and at lois.morton.54. We're nearing the end of The Walking Dead Daryl Dixon with only two episodes to go. I cannot wait to break this episode down with you. And by that I mean, if you're not following us on ko-fi.com slash Dead or patreon.com slash Dead, you won't get the recording schedule because we don't post them on social media even. But when you follow, you'll get alerted to when that schedule posts and you can join us for free in the real-time chat to lend us your thoughts on episode 5, 6, and any other series that we break down. Thank you again, and cannot wait to speak to you soon. So in the meantime, remember that we are Squawking Dead. Mm-hmm.